Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As Pastor mentioned last week, the theme for Rogate Sunday is prayer. I always remembered that in seminary, Rogate, if you're using Rogaine, you're praying for hair. So I always remember Rogate is the prayer Sunday. And prayer can take several forms. It can be a word of praise. It can be a word of anguish. It can be a word of sorrow. It can be outright anger towards God. It can be a plea for mercy. It can span the entire range of human emotions. Sometimes it's even just a groan when we can't figure out what to say. It can be something that's well thought out, or it can be a simple thank you, or maybe even, Lord, have mercy. And yes, it it can be a, a need for either yourself or for someone else. I know there are a lot that we're taught to to never pray for your own needs, to only pray for other people, but that's, that's just nonsense. The people or the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. So that is why we have the perfect prayer, that is, the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know what to say or you don't know how to put it in words, the Lord's Prayer covers all that we need. Our gospel lesson for today follows after a passage that we looked at a few weeks ago. Jesus told his disciples that they would not see him for a little while and that he was going to the Father. That is, following his death and resurrection and ascension, things would now be different. He says here, In that day, following the ascension, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Again, our gospel lesson for today is very well known, isn't it? It's a passage that is used and misused quite often. It is a passage quoted often by prosperity preachers and misunderstood it could absolutely crush our faith. Imagining God to be a divine gift giver, like a genie that you found in a bottle, or maybe Santa Claus. Somebody who can make your wildest dreams come true just by praying in his name, that will only lead to disappointment. Yes, the answer to prayer often far exceeds anything that we could first imagine. But when our faith hinges on winning the lottery numbers or having those winning lottery numbers being revealed to us in a dream, our faith is usually shattered. The first thing that we notice in our gospel lesson is that we will ask nothing of Jesus. It's kind of curious, isn't it, that we would ask nothing of him? That is to say, he's telling us that we are able to speak directly to the Father. What an amazing gift that is. We can speak directly to the Father. This is not how things work in the rest of the world, is it? When you have a question or a concern about your cell phone service, for example, you have to call them up, talk to somebody in in charge of uh, customer service, and then if things escalate, maybe you can talk to their supervisor. Rarely do we ever go beyond that. 
it's unimaginable that you would speak directly to the president of the company, isn't it? Things just don't work that way. The same is true in the workplace. You take your question and your concern to the person directly above you, and it's unimaginable that you would ask the president or the CEO why there are no junior mints in the break room vending machines. In the military, we often had those high-ranking officers that would visit us and they would like to ask if there were any questions or, or concerns and they would tell us they had an open door policy and we had to pull all those junior Marines and sailors aside and say, no, you cannot ask whatever it is that you want. You have to vet those questions through the entire command. You don't want to embarrass anybody. We always had to prepare them for that situation. And it was always an embarrassment when that young junior Marine or sailor asked some silly question like junior mints in the break room or something like that. An open door policy really meant that the commanding officer would talk to you once you have spoken to everybody all the way up the chain of command and still did not get resolution. And then you schedule an appointment to have this open door visit with the commanding officer. In the working world, one only gets the ear of the boss once you reach a certain level. You have to earn that ability to speak directly to the boss. You have to earn the trust of management. Sin, likewise, keeps us from approaching the Father in the same way. As we look at the wretched state of our souls, we reason that, well, we have no right to talk directly to God. We reason that God is too busy with more important things. We shouldn't bother him with our trivial needs. And we should take that to a much lower level and not actually talk to God himself. And yet Christ tells us here that God the Father truly has an open door policy. We can approach the Father himself at absolutely any time, day or night. What's more, Jesus tells us that the Father will give you whatever you ask in Jesus' name. And this is where we need to pause. What does that mean to ask in Jesus' name? Again, many will treat this like a magical incantation. You have to say the words in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. If you don't, God won't hear or answer your prayer. Kind of like in those Harry Potter books when they had to say the word just right with just the right inflection and they had to do the wand in just a certain way, otherwise it wouldn't work, and they had to practice and practice to do it. Teaching his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when, you go, or, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Notice how Jesus prays and how Jesus teaches us to pray. He doesn't say in Jesus' name at the very end. He tells us that our Father knows what we need even before we ask. Notice also that he teaches us to pray directly to our Father, just directly to him. God hears and answers all of your prayers. Sometimes it may take a while. Consider Abraham and Sarah. As a young married couple, they most likely prayed and prayed and prayed that God would bless them with children. God heard that prayer and answered it in a way that neither Abraham nor Sarah expected. The prayer may have been long forgotten by Abraham and Sarah when God came and said, You will bear a son. Do not dismay when you do not receive an answer to your prayer right away. It may be years in the making. And do not be surprised if God answers your prayer in a way that you did not seem possible. Do not be surprised if God answers your prayer in a way that you never even expected. For prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. Consider Genesis 18, when Abraham intercedes for Sodom. When God told him that he would destroy the city, Abraham prayed to God. And he told God, well, suppose there are 50 righteous. Would you still destroy the city? And God said, no, I will not destroy the city if there's just 50. And then he said, well, what if there's 45? Would you still destroy the city? And he says, no. And then he goes down from 45 to 40 to 30 to 20, all the way down to 10. And he says, for the sake of 10 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. Some tried to argue that Abraham was able to change the mind of God. However, God still destroyed the city, for there were not even 10 righteous remaining in the city. Only Lot and his family remained. But what did Abraham learn? How did this change Abraham and his thinking? He himself learned that there were not even 10 righteous in the city. He learned that God is not cruel. He learned that he can plead with God. Abraham is the one that changed, not God. And again, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Historically and theologically, a name represents much more than a label. It's much more than what your parents uh, decided to call you. I know there are a lot of parents that maybe name their children after a favorite, favorite TV or movie personality or an actor or an actress. Others even name their change. Boy, having a hard time speaking. Others even name their children after their favorite alcoholic beverages. Yes, we had a friend who did that who named her daughter Bailey because she liked Bailey's Irish cream. But historically, when named for a relative, it signifies a continuation of their legacy. It means that the emptiness that is left behind by their passing is now fulfilled in this child. Historically, a name means what it says. That's why it's so important and, and people... Uh, they belabored the naming of a child, and sometimes they even waited till the child was a little bit older to give them a name. And in the case of Jesus, Jesus, his name literally means Yahweh saves. A very appropriate name for Jesus, don't you think?
He literally teaches us to pray in the name of God saves. Jesus teaches us here that your prayer in the name of God's salvation will always be granted. He will give you whatever you wish in the name of God's salvation. What an amazing gift granted to us by the Father. He hears and answers all of our prayers. He gives us all that we need for this body and life. It isn't always answered as we imagined, but it is always answered according to God's will and according to your need. Some prayers are answered with a yes and others with a no and still others with a not yet. But when you pray, Father, forgive me, the answer is yes, 100% of the time. Even when you ask forgiveness for the same sin you repeat over and over and over again, the answer is always yes. Christ assures us that the Father knows what we need before we even ask. Long before we know to ask, God has already set things in motion. Long before you even knew that you needed salvation, Christ humbled himself to be born of a virgin, lived that perfect life without sin, died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and is ascended into heaven for you. Long before you ever knew you needed it, the Holy Spirit began working in your heart, creating that faith, enlivening your heart so that you would believe in Jesus Christ. But prayer also extends to other aspects of our life as well. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way, that is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, we don't just pray for, our, for the leaders that we like. We pray for all of them. For we desire the same thing from all of them. We desire to lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. We desire to live godly lives where we are free to live out our faith in Christ. And teach others to do the same. It's with this in mind that perhaps the leaders that we don't like need our prayers the most. So we pray for all of them. There's nothing too big or too small to bring before the Father. There are several passages that encourage us to share one another's burdens. To share in one another's suffering. 2 Timothy 2 says to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it is that we share our burdens with one another and we pray for your need and the needs of others. Give thanks for your answered prayers, for the big ones and for the small ones. We share our needs with others and celebrate your blessings together. We are commanded to pray. But it's a command much like telling a starving person to sit and eat a sumptuous feast. Christ tells us to pray. But even better, 
He promises to listen and to answer and to forgive all of your sins. We read in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.